Good morning. I'm going to be reading Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos, and their nations, their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in every nation. I will be exalted throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Sorry, unmute there, George. Thank you. Let me just get adjusted, okay? I've got lots of bits and pieces today. Got some books. I might have to adjust the podium as well. I've been gone for a couple of weeks, so. There we go. Ah, oh, yeah, that's good. I just got some new glasses as well, which is really good. Because uh, being able to see is important. How is everybody doing? I'm good, I'm back. I can't believe it's been two Sundays I've not been here. It feels really weird. <clears throat> and thankfully it was, it was pretty mild, but uh, it was just hard being separated from people. I like people. I love people. Um, so we're uh, in the summer now. I'm so glad all the rain and snow is gone, aren't you? Just all that winter weather. Finally, summer. Uh, and finally, we're entering after a couple of weeks kind of delaying, but, but very fruitful. I'm kind of like feeling like that was good that that happened, that Melody was able to recap the Why We Blank series, and then Josh was able to bring a message, last, a really encouraging message last week. So, you know, there's a time and a purpose for everything under God's heavens, right? Uh, but finally, we're actually in the Psalms, our beautiful graphic here by Justin. I love it. Um, we're going to, over the summer months, for uh, a bunch of weeks, going to spend our, part of our time in the morning uh, thinking about, reading, reflecting upon uh, the Old Testament book of Psalms. And today we're just going to do an introduction. So we're going to get right down to it. Fundamentals. What is a psalm? Anyone? Song, poem? Okay. Okay. This first phrase is a little bit, sounds a little bit like, you know, 
heady, whatever, but, but I'm just going to go through a bunch of things. And it doesn't include songs, it doesn't include poems. But the first thing I want to say, it's a cultural artifact. You ever thought of a psalm as a cultural artifact? It is a piece of writing from a particular time, an ancient time uh, in the history of human beings. Uh, as early people think as 600 years before Christ, some of these uh, texts were written. Uh, over centuries, hundreds of years, the, the Psalms were composed and then gathered together into the final form that we have now. They're originally in ancient Hebrew language. They span from King David's rule, who we read about in the Old Testament. Some of them are said to be written by him. Uh, from the exile into Babylon, where the people were dragged away, there was a lot of Psalms that were written when they were far from home uh, and then written uh, when they returned to the temple. Uh, a much less grand temple, but they would be using these for worship there. All kinds of people, all kinds of times and places. This is going to make it difficult for us to read them sometimes. You know, I know sometimes when we read Psalms in public, like Linda did for us this morning, you know, we think about, should we like change this a lot to make it, you know, more understandable? Uh, Eugene Peterson has done the Psalms uh, in what's called the Message, which is a very modern translation. But it, it stands to reason that being part of a different culture there can sometimes be some challenges in reading them. Uh, but that's not the whole story by the Psalms. They're not just human creations. They're not just things that were written by people a long, long time ago. They are also scripture. Psalms are scripture. They are part of the word of God. And one of the favorite things I've ever heard someone say about every part of the Bible is that when you read the Bible, no matter where you're reading, you're not reading somebody else's mail, okay? This is for us. This is for you. Even though an ancient text, it is for us today. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in a letter to his friend Timothy, said uh, to this younger man, as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And Jesus kind of testified to that also because when he, was, when he rose from the grave and he appeared several times to various people after that time, and at one point he was walking on this road to a place called Emmaus and he met these two disciples who were just brokenhearted at what had happened, didn't recognize him. And he's, he's asking them what's going on. He says, haven't you heard? We had this hope that the Messiah had come, but he was crucified and he was killed. And it says that on the way down the road, it said, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And this is really what the Bible is. It testifies to this redemption that God has given uh, to his creation through Jesus Christ. And it's actually amazing if you read through the Psalms, really if you could have one book of the whole Bible uh, there's so much of the whole story of redemption throughout that particular book. So it is written by people, but it's also scripture. So the word of God, but also the word of human beings. Both these things are true. It's very important. Sometimes we can uh, think about the God-breathed part of scripture and, and lose the human connection. And other times we can make it solely a piece of literature written by people and forget that it is a living word from our creator. So how do these two things come together? Well, in the Psalms, it's that the Psalms are honest human words addressed to God. They're honest human words addressed to God. When I first wrote this, I put true human words, but actually that's not necessarily true, but they are honest human words, you know? From our limited perspective or the perspectives of those who wrote these texts, 
They were honest, but they were always honest in addressing to God. You know, we've been playing some rock and roll, you might have noticed. We haven't done it for a little bit. It's coming back, though, folks. Do not despair. John Cougar Mellencamp may make an appearance in our Sunday morning service. I don't know. We should make a list of your favorites. But we did, remember, Living on a Prayer. That was the first one we did because we were talking about prayer. Um, You know, and the words are, you know, they're not that complex, but they do say honest things, don't they? about a situation where there's two people who are very much in love. They're kind of giving up their dreams because they want to make this relationship work, and they're living on a prayer, right? It's like the, uh, the famous picture of the man with the bread and, and, and his book, and he's praying. It's a really famous old picture. You see it in thrift stores sometimes. Uh, you know, kind of like every day, give us this day our daily bread. Um, and I believe that most of the good art in our world, in our contemporary world, and through time, uh, like poetry or painting or, or dance even, and, and definitely music and song, are the result of human beings trying to understand uh, who they are and something about the world in which they live. And I think there, there's kind of some transcendent qualities about art, because it's kind of a reaching out of ourselves to express something that we're desperately trying to put words to. Um, that human beings somehow are aware that there is more than what we simply see and touch and taste and smell. There's something intangible. There's something that we're longing for, which is more than what we currently experience. And you can listen to a lot of modern music and songs that people write and find that quality of honest human words. Um, And I think that is very much what the Psalms are like. These people in their particular place, whether it was a mountaintop or whether it was a pit, were expressing raw honesty to God. Every form of human expression is contained in this book. Wonder at a starry sky. Just, if you're, but Rana was in Alaska recently, my wife, and you know, I can't imagine what the stars looked like when you step out and look up, yeah? Oh, it never got dark. So, you know, when you stepped out at midnight and the wonder of the sun still shining in the sky. Um, <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. I, I should have read this to you earlier. And so, but the Psalm 8, the psalmist says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Okay, honest, like I'm, a, I'm a, in awe by this, but to God. These heavens, I, I feel so small right now. I'm in awe. Or horror at the misjustice and evil in the world. Psalm 36, the, the writer says, there's no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. The words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or do good. Even on their beds, they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong. And not just the things we see around ourselves and other people, but horror at our own missteps, our own inability to live up to even that which we would hope to be. Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Honest, honest words to God. 
and then wonder and joy at the heart of the God who in answer redeems and rescues and cleanses and forgives. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies, your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. You know what I think? It harkens back to something we talked about in 2020 when the whole kind of craziness of everything that was going on that year happened and thinking through what it might be useful. What, what does this word say to us in a tongue like this? My mind went to the Psalms immediately. This is, I need to express something to God with my brothers and sisters. And it reminded me of this concept which we talked a lot about over those months in the summer of orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. Do you remember that? This is kind of the pattern of human life. We're in a place based on the fact that God is, has created a world with predictability of seasons that come and go and sun that sometimes sets and sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, depending on your latitude, it's going to go down at some point, right? I'm going to keep going on about that one, right? Good. But, you know, we have this orientation or things are just, some of you this morning may feel like, yeah, things are good. I'm in a good place right now. I'm, I'm, but we know, if not now, perhaps tomorrow or next week, this disorientation when our world is interrupted by something out with our control and we cry out, we need somewhere to go. And, and what the Psalms are telling us is that the place that we go with honest words to God is, is to him and this brings us to new orientation. It's a place we could never get to were it not for the disorientation and also we'd not get to were we not to engage in that place with God, richly and deeply. You know, it reminds me, I was in the hospital a lot recently, actually, being in hospitals. Uh, some people I didn't know that San Dimas uh, Hospital has set has for Melody or myself to go. We've gone across there and spent time with some families and people. Um, but just uh, yesterday, Melly and I were in the hospital. Sorry, Friday, my, my brain is. But we were uh, with Laura, uh, Alec, and her family. And as we were walking out, I, I just thought, I was thinking about hospitals. Because you, you're in a place where, okay, you know, Chris has gone to be with Jesus, right? And, and it's, it's so immensely present, painful. But then you walk out, you see somebody, and they're, they're, maybe they've just had a baby. You know, they're bringing flowers. And within a hospital, there's every human experience and expression and feeling and emotion. I just thought, man, it's like the Psalms. It's like this building is full of Psalms and expressions. How wonderful it would it be were each of us to express whether it was that joy or that sorrow in the presence of the God who made us and knows us and loves us and welcomes us into that relationship. Psalms in every room. Then, I, then we're talking about it. Melody's like, yeah, Psalms in like every neighborhood, behind every closed door. Human beings. I thought about San Dimas Retirement Center. Some of our dear friends are here this morning. And on Wednesday, Rona and I went and we had a, an hour or so gathering. And there was 25 uh, beloved residents waiting for us. And we, we sang, I'll fly away in amazing grace. And we took communion together and we prayed. And I prayed individually with some people afterwards. And, and it was a beautiful time. But I could see the, the human the range of humanity there. And I'm, I'm like, my job at that point is to say, let's go to God with this. It's my job. My job is to be a person who will call us to this kind of expression about what's happening in life. And it was a beautiful moment. Psalms in classrooms and workplaces and prisons, in the streets, 
right here in this room. What is the expression, our honest human expression this morning? Ben said this morning, you know, just he's, he came into the hard 24 hours and he immediately tied it to what we're thinking about. We haven't talked much about it, but I think that's come from a man who has had these things become part of his life, of how he expresses what is painful to God. You know, Jesus came in the flesh and that affirms the fact that we are flesh, we're human beings, we can feel affirmed. There's nothing wrong with the fact that you're a human, that you live in this body of flesh because Jesus came in the flesh and just as much these texts affirm that every expression, every feeling, every emotion that is human, God affirms and God welcomes and God wants to hear all of it. So it's not sanitized. Some of the Psalms I would be a bit worried to read here, perhaps, depending on who is here. Some of them could be very triggering, use that word. And some of them are downright despicable in the honest things that people are saying to God. And it's not all true. But I think we can find recognition and go, me too. I feel that way. But not only recognition, I think also they're for our formation. Psalms are things that can form us. Uh, Because firstly, Psalms are prayer. Psalms are prayers. Uh, 150 prayers given to us to pray. Psalm 54, save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. How many of us have ever prayed something along those lines? Nobody? I know some of you have, because we've talked about it. And I know for some of you, God has answered that prayer. So we can use these for when we don't have the words to say. They are given to us as prayers, and we don't have the words to say. Again, Melody and I were in the hospital with Laura and her family, and we arrived, and Chris had passed into glory. And the fact that the family is there in this room And we both prayed, and both of us, I remember, said, oh, Lord, we don't have the words to say. What can you say? What words will make it all better? And so as Melody was praying, I got my Bible, and I thumbed through, and guess where I went? I went to Psalms, Psalm 23. And I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that psalm hardly felt more meaningful to me than it did in that moment. A word of confidence, a word of hope, and a word of protest that death will not have the last word. We didn't have the words to say. God has given us the words to say. And the atmosphere changes. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. We pray. And what is wonderful is God gave us a particular kind of speech to use to pray like this, to live our lives honestly before him and before one another. 
And, and what's so remarkable is, you know, the Bible is made of different forms of literature. Some of it's, it's history, some of it is proverb type stuff, some of it's apocalypse, like Revelation and Daniel. Uh, and, and, but there's also poetry, and that is what the Psalms are. The Psalms are full of poetry. Uh, you may notice in your Bible, if you look, that they're written out in the form of a poem with stanzas and lines, and there's lots of rhythm and Maybe, remember, what's the iambic pentameter? I'm reaching back into my school days. Yeah, iambic pentameter, right? Or a haiku. There's rules to poetry. And I'm not going to get into this at all, but you guys are welcome to look it up. But there's some incredible devices, of poetic devices, by which these writers created things with extra impact. But one of the most wonderful things about it is poetry is so good for expressing what is hard to express. I'm not sure how many of you guys are into poetry, but I try and read poems quite regularly because it, they're, they're kind of life-giving to me. Let's think about these three statements, how we could state something about myself. Okay, I am very sad. Number one, I am very sad. Yeah, you get the meaning, right? How about, my heart is broken. My heart is broken. Or, my life is darkness. They're all kind of similar, saying similar things, but the more kind of poetic you get, you're into the world of metaphor rather than literal speaking. I am very sad. My heart is broken. Not literally broken, but you know what I mean. And it, and it, it hits, doesn't it? And to say it, it gives meaning, expression to what's truest about me. I'm going to give you a weird example from popular culture. I want someone to sing this for me. Go. Yeah. Isn't that weird if you take that literally? Hey, baby, you are literally a firework. Uh, you shoot across the sky. That's just plain weird, right? But it's captivating. It's, 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 it's engaging. It's meaningful. You're like a firework. Bang, baby. Make him go, whoa, like a firework display like we just had on the fourth and the first and the second and the third and the sixth and the fifth and the tenth and the... <laughs> It's never ending around here. We love freedom. But, but like having metaphors is so much more power. So when we say the Lord is my shepherd, you know what that might mean. If you know about shepherds, the heart of a shepherd, the work of a shepherd, the status of a shepherd, there's so much richness. There's a book, uh, Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by an actual shepherd. Have you seen that book? And it, but it gives, because God inspired these people to write poetry about their feelings, it gives us such a, more, a greater depth of meaning and feeling. Psalm 91, about God, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. It's poetic. So Psalms are poetry. That is a beautiful thing for us. Metaphor expression that's deep and human. Psalms are also worship. This is what they have been for vast parts of Christian and Jewish history. The Hebrew word is tehillim, originally, which means praises. The original name was, was praises. That's what this book was titled. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. I just love that. It is a worship, and it's a call to worship within one thing encapsulated. 
That's what's also formative about thee. They form us because as we use them for worship, we're affirming what is true, what is right, with the words of scripture back to God. And we don't have to clean ourselves up for God. The Psalms tell us that all of it is worthy speech and worship. You may worship with a broken heart. You may worship with a tender heart or a light heart. But it calls us to come. So bringing it all together, really, Psalms are full of powerful imagery. They're full of mystery. They are, we're distant from them by a lot of culture, but there is so much that is just so common in the expressions, the honest expressions of people to God. We have prayer from when we don't know when to, what to pray. But also one thing that occurred to me this week, there's such a powerful connection to all of the people of God throughout all of history. You know, the Jewish people in the temple and the synagogue, they, when they were in exile, when they came back to the land and they used these expressions, we sing and say the same words practically that they expressed to the same God from the same human reality. The early Christians singing what Paul referred to as psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's the passage that Josh used last week. They're mentioned in there as a common sing psalms to one another. Orthodox Christians singing psalms in the candle-lit semi-darkness of their places of worship or a little Scottish church on an island somewhere singing psalms in the middle of a storm. A martyr about to lose her life singing a psalm. An underground church in China gathered together whispering psalms. And it all connects together with the one who expressed from the cross, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We could say and pray the words that Jesus prayed. The same words. So many psalms. We've got 11 weeks now, since we lost a couple at the beginning, we've got 11 weeks of psalms. So how many psalms are we doing a week to get all 150? Anyone good at math? Huh? 13 psalms every Sunday, okay? Uh, So pack a lunch. (laughs) No, we can't do that, right? We can't do every single one. We're trying to pick representative ones that we can get more of the span. Has everyone got any favorite psalms? What's your favorite psalm? 23 is a big one. Anyone got one that you think probably no one would think is your favorite psalm? My favorite psalm is 151. I'll talk about that sometime. 119? That's a good one, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the Englands actually, Mike and Debbie, were going up to my old stomping grounds up in Washington State, and they asked me the question, hey, if you just got one day on Orcas Island, we, where my family and I lived for 10 years, what should we see? Uh, and I knew immediately it's Mount Constitution. Like the view is breathtaking from up there. I think I have a picture somewhere of Mount Yeah. So Mount Constitution. And it reminded me of times when people say, hey, I'm going to the UK for five days. We've got one day in Scotland. What should we see? Um, and I actually have an answer to it. And it's another castle type thing. It's called Dunotter Castle, which is also incredibly beautiful. But really, I could say, well, just don't leave. Just go. You've got 90 days on your visa, I'm pretty certain. Just, just stay because there's too much for you to see and, and hear and, and experience in the country that I love. 
And so it's kind of similar with the search situation with the Psalms. We want to dig in deep this summer, but on Sunday mornings, we're going to have so much time. And I can see I'm almost over by five minutes, actually, this morning already. That clock's always ticking. Um, to, to do this, so really the challenge uh, for this next couple of months or so is, is for us all to kind of dig in, seek to dig in. And we've got some ways of helping you to do that. Uh, you may have, hopefully you received this morning, uh, Psalm 84. That's next Sunday is the psalm that we're going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about Psalm 84. Is that Psalm 84, right, Nancy? Yeah, good, good. And then um, to change my whole sermon. But so take that and meditate on it this week. Just read it every day, perhaps, and just ponder it, pray it, sing it. Put some music to it. Come on, guys, you can do that. Um, and then when we come on Sunday, we'll all have kind of had a journey there, and I think it will help us to have kind of a meeting of our hearts and our minds and our lives together. Um, we're doing that. We've got some books out in the foyer. We're actually going to make some little cards to explain more fully what these, why these books are good. But out here, we've done this for quite a while now. There's some books about the Psalms. Uh, we've got Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's a little tiny, so if you want to read a very short book and get credit, but not have to read much, this is the one for you, except he's from Germany. He lived in 1940s Germany, so, you know, maybe there's some challenges, but it is good. It's called The Prayer Book of the Bible. That one's out there. Uh, N.T. Wright, Englishman, German Englishman. We're bringing peace between, you know, people. N.T. Wright, great scholar. The case for the Psalms, why they are essential. That sounds good. Uh, C.S. Lewis, Reflections on the Psalms. Once again, old book, maybe some challenging stuff in there because of just culture and stuff, but it is really wonderful, really helpful. I find it very helpful for some of the questions I had about the Psalms. And then I think this is maybe the most accessible one. It's called Open and Afraid by David Taylor. And Melody, I know we've both been reading this book, uh, just a, a very beautiful expression of... Um, the honesty of the Psalms and why, why they can take a place in our lives that can be so life-giving. Um, so let's dig in to the Psalms together this summer. I think it's going to be a good time. I think, as we said, no matter where you are in life, whether it's a time of orientation, disorientation, or you're coming through to something new, these texts will speak to us, and then we can speak to one another in the tone that they bring of honest human communication of words towards God in the presence of others. Uh, we're going to have communion now. Um, and as we always say, you know, uh, communion has relevance to everything we might talk about because it's the place where we, we kind of respond and we come and we say, yeah, this is for me. I want, I want this to be the central guiding light for my life. And, it's, and Jesus is the one who invites us to the table. Uh, we are just intermediaries there in some way to help to do this. But uh, we're called to come uh, and I just thought to myself, you know, Jesus may very well have read a psalm on the night he gathered with his disciples. It's very likely that he would have uh, recited a, a text from this amazing Old Testament book. So as uh, we prepare, I'm going to ask Josh and Chris to, to take the back station there. We're going to get up our chairs. We'll also, if someone needs it brought to them, uh, we can also do that. We also have the little things available if you prefer to get one of those. We'll take a moment afterwards. Uh, when you get the elements, uh, take them and sit down, and we'll take them together shortly. But I'm just going to read some psalms as to kind of prepare our hearts for this, this time in our gathering. Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart, more than when grain and wine abound. The Lord is my chosen portion, and my cup 
Therefore, my heart is glad, and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All those who seek you will praise your name. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? You bring forth food from the earth, wine to gladden the human heart, oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen us. Amen. Aren't those hearty, nourishing words? So the worship team uh, come up and uh, we'll just take a little bit of time uh, to come and receive the elements. Melody and I will be down here uh, and then keep them and we'll take them shortly together. And on the night that he was betrayed, gathered with his friends, and he welcomed them to the table that was set, and he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he shared it with his friends, and said, this is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup, he said, drink from all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this piece of bread. And by taking this bread, we recognize that you are our life, that we don't need to be afraid, we don't need to hide. We can come to you no matter what is going on and we can express it with honesty in brokenness or in joy your body that you gave us. Give us life, Lord. Heal us. Shine your light. Give us your grace, we pray.
And we recognize now by taking this cup that there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you've called us children of God. We take this cup in celebration and gratitude for that great forgiveness. And remember at the end of the meal, before they went out into the garden and what that night would bring, they sang a hymn together. Let's stand and sing as we continue our time of worship together.